that you would reign and rule over this sermon, that you would rule in our hearts and that we would surrender and submit to your rulership because you are good and you're loving and you're trustworthy and kind and gracious and you keep your promises. And so come Holy Spirit, I pray that you would empower me to preach your word. I pray that you would empower us to hear your word and to respond to your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in Acts 16, starting with verse 16. And as the um, offering is getting finished up, I just wanted to share a little bit that um, we have this need When life is going along and we're seeking to follow Jesus, we aren't promised that it's always going to go easy. And so how do we continue to follow the Lord when things are difficult, when they're challenging, when we don't understand? And I know that I'm not the only one that this year has been a hard year. We just have to listen to our congregational prayer and know that there have been some really, really difficult things that we have faced and that we are currently facing. And so how do we keep going? And how do we find strength in these times? Recently, I went, Dane and I went down to Kalamazoo on a Sunday night, just feeling like I need to still be encouraged again more tonight. Um, And so we went and we heard this song that was um, based on Psalm 23. And um, it has stuck with me and it has framed the way that I've meditated on the scripture in Acts. And it's called, This is How I Fight My Battles, Surrounded. And... um, by a group called The Upper Room. There's a table that you've prepared for me In the presence of my enemies It's your body and your blood that shed for me This is how I fight my battles There's a table that you've prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. It's your body and blood that shed for me. This is how I fight my battles. And I believe you've overcome And I will lift my song of praise for all you've done. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. 
This is how in the valley I know that you're with me. Your goodness and mercy follow me. So my weapons are praise and thanksgiving. This is how I find my battle. And I believe you've overcome and I will lift my voice of praise for all you've done. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, it may look like we're surrounded, but we're surrounded by you. Oh, it may look like we're surrounded, but we're surrounded by you. Oh, it may look like we're surrounded, but we're surrounded by you. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. This is how. And friends, this is how Paul and his team fought the battles that we're going to read about now. From Acts 16, starting with verse 16. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer... We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Can you imagine? Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. 
At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial even though we're Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. This is the word of the Lord. There was trouble. They had been called by God. Remember, they had had a vision. Come to Macedonia and help us. And they had this call and they had gone and they were in Philippi, but man, oh man, things were not going well, right? What are the obstacles? What are the challenges that they face? First of all, there's this woman with an evil spirit that just annoyingly, can you imagine going to prayer, let alone day after day, everywhere you're going and you're trying to preach and maybe make some connections to see if somebody's hungry to hear about Jesus and you've got somebody that's just constantly announcing And what the evil spirit through this woman was speaking was truth. But it was annoying and it was distracting. We've had some of that sometimes here. All right. So this distraction by this evil spirit was there. And then the accusation when the woman was released from this evil spirit, then the owners are upset because all of a sudden there's this whole financial Situation, And don't you know that when people are being trafficked and the person that was benefiting from the trafficking, they're upset. They just lost their money. And so they, they come and they accuse Paul and Silas. And then the mob gets in on the scene because, you see, they hit a spiritual stronghold. Philippi had this sorcery and fortune-telling as a stronghold in their whole region. And that's why the mob 
came, they were all upset because of the fortune telling and they were all relying on this for their transactions. And so the mob is against them and then they're beaten. And this was a Roman beating. This wasn't limited like the Jewish beatings. And so this was horrendous and horrific. And then here they are, this team that's here to serve the Lord and to bring the good news of Jesus and that had already brought a deliverance. And what is happening now? They're getting put in prison. They hadn't had a trial, but they've already been punished and they're getting put in prison in the deepest, darkest place, in the stankest, grossest, probably rat-infested, yes, everything that is ooh and yuck is there and more. And they're being put in stocks where they can't even change their position after they've gotten beaten and there isn't a comfortable position anyway. And it's in the deep, deep dark. And they're not only in stocks, but they're in chains. And they've got a jailer that is guarding them with his life because if they aren't there, then the jailer is going to pay for it with his own life. Everything would seem that it's going wrong. Now, I haven't had this same experience, but as I was reflecting on the text, I was thinking about a cross-cultural mission experience that I had. And interestingly, our deacons have called us to support the work of Pierre and I in Haiti. And I, years ago, like maybe in the early 2000s, was part of the initial team that went down to Haiti to bring the teaching of the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit in Haiti. And as we went there... We went as a teaching team to equip some of the church leaders that had invited us. And we start into this teaching time. And all of a sudden, somebody starts yelling out and distracting and beating on a trash can lid. And we're trying to teach. And there's no microphones. And so we're trying to teach. And all of a sudden, this bang, 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 bang. Well, there was a manifestation of evil. And it had... It was very, very disruptive. The next day, we're meeting, and there we went against, um, well, not against, but we went in full understanding that it was very dangerous to go there at that time because this was just when they were trying to up um, get their president out of position. This was before the big earthquake. And anyway, and so... Um, there was going to be a public demonstration and we got word that they were going to gather up the mountain and they were going to come down and that people throughout the city were going to join in this demonstration. And so they had sent some um, transportation to take us from a, a compound where we were staying to this walled compound that the church owned. And that was where our conference was going to be. Well, earlier in the week, we had... Um, been teaching them a song about the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Well, all of a sudden, this mob is right on the other side of this, um, like, cinder block wall is protecting us from a mob of 10,000 people that are shooting, and they're screaming, and they're absolutely crazy beside themselves with uh, because of the way that the, the whole corrupt system, and they're starving, and they're 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 very, very, very upset. And so the cinder block wall is all that's separating this group of church leaders from the mob that's on the other side. And again, you could not teach when with no microphone, even if you had a microphone, with all that happening and screaming and shooting going on and people being killed out on the streets. 
there was trouble. Now, I'm thankful that we weren't like Paul, that the mob wasn't coming against us. So this isn't an exact analogy, but it's similar. The next day, we decide it's too unsafe. We can't go out where we had planned to go to do some equipping out of the city. And so we're stuck. Instead of being able to stay on our agenda of what we were going to do, we're stuck at this um, infirmary where they have disabled children, and that's where they had put us up. And so um, where we're thinking we're going to be somewhere, no, all of a sudden we're here with a group of disabled children in this facility all day long. I don't know how you do with being flexible, but when you feel like you've given up time and money and you've gone and you've got a certain purpose in mind, it can be really difficult and frustrating when you see doors closing, challenges coming, I don't know what you're facing, but I know many of you. I don't know if it's a medical situation. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. Some of you I know, and I can't name it just up here. But there's challenges, there's difficulties, there's, we're trying to follow the Lord, and we're trying to serve him, And we felt like he called us to do this or we called us to do that. And all of a sudden we find ourselves up against such difficulties. And our problems do not have the last say. God sends his grace to overcome. And so I want to tell you about the grace that I see in this passage and that we see together. Is that God sends his grace and that evil spirit did not get the last say, did not get to continue to distract, that evil spirit was delivered and sent away. And all of a sudden, this girl who had functioned in slavery had the opportunity now to be able to listen to what was being shared and have the opportunity to accept the good news of Jesus Christ. To be removed As a slave from the kingdom of darkness, she could be transferred into the kingdom of light by believing that Jesus Christ died for her sins. God gives grace not only to empower us, he empowered them to be able to speak, discern what was happening, and kick that evil spirit out. God actually positioned them. Now, God knew who he wanted to save on this missionary trip. They came to Macedonia, and the first group of people were Lydia and the women down by the river, remember? Now, Paul and his team don't know who it is that the Lord has intended and prepared the hearts to hear the gospel and respond. And if the Lord would have said, Paul and team, I need you to go over there and um, preach the good news to those that are in jail and to the jailer and their household. And oh, by the way, I'm going to send an earthquake, and you're going to be beaten, and then you're going to be there, and then I'm going to send an earthquake, and then the chains are going to fall off, but the building's not going to collapse, and none of the prisoners are going to leave because they're going to listen to you, and so then the jailer's going to come. Like, no. (laughs) We can't, as humans, we can't understand how the Lord's positioning us, and if he told us all that was coming, we'd be probably either asking a ton of questions or saying, no, thank you. But actually, he has, he's positioning the team right where he needs them to be. And he's allowing some things for a greater glory. If it's a 
if it's a bigger battle, it's a greater glory. All right? So God empowers, he positions, and he prepares a table. Now think about this. Psalm 23 talks about, even if I walk through the darkest valley, you're there with me, and you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. He creates this situation, and there's a table of fellowship coming between Paul and the team and the jailer and his household. And they're going to have received Jesus, and Paul and his team are not going to hold grudges. They're actually going to offer forgiveness and come in and have fellowship. It's a picture of what Jesus does for us when he forgives us, and he doesn't hold a grudge against us because of our sin but he forgives us and he comes in and has fellowship. And so there's this table of fellowship that the Lord is preparing. And what do Paul and the team do? They don't know that fellowship is coming, but they're reminded of God's promises. And so they're sitting in that jail and they're praying and they're singing. It's called hymning. The literal was hymning. They're hymning. What in the world does that mean? That means they're singing songs from scripture. And so the Christian Reformed Church did not invent singing the Psalms as the Psalter hymnal. But actually this has been happening for many, many years before the Reformed Church that we go back to scripture and we sing the songs, we sing the promises. And who knows, maybe they were hymning Psalm 23 at that time, not knowing how the Lord was going to bring this about. But God empowers, he positions, he prepares a table, and then he even gives favor. And when I read that about how that Paul like didn't just immediately leave but asked the magistrates to come, at first I read it with a tone of kind of a little defiance or like, no, you, you know, you have them come and escort us out. But actually what he was doing, I believe, was really protecting the integrity of the Christians so that the early church that was being formed, God was creating a beachhead in Philippi through um, Lydia and through this household of the jailer. And so because the magistrates came as an act of honor, because they would come for honorable people and escort them places. And so because they came and escorted Paul and the team out, it, created a space where this Christian church that was just being established would have favor. The Lord knew what they needed. When we were down in Haiti, the Lord sent his grace and he helped us. He empowered us to silence the person that was being so disruptive. The Lord also put us in a position Now, if you would have told me in advance as a young mother who already it was risky and it took my husband and others to say, yes, we bless you to go at a time of such political unrest in that country. But we're, if you would have told me, I'm going to be sitting with a group of church leaders with a mob on the other side. And in that moment, we're going to actually experience the very tangible, real presence of God. As we sing this song about Jesus 
The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. Do you know that? Do you remember that one? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Right? You remember it. Some of you are singing along. But we had taught them hand motions because we were singing it in English and then they were translating it into French and then in Creole. All right? (laughs) And so, but we had these hand motions that went along. So we all were singing in unity even though we were singing in different languages. But as that mob was on the other side of that that wall and we sang about the strong name of Jesus being a mighty tower, the peace of God just filled us. Like we went from being scared and nervous and what's going to happen to just being absolutely calm in the presence of the Lord. He sends his grace when we pray and when we praise. And then he gave us favor, and I can't get into it. We don't have time. But the miraculous way that he helped us get out of that country because the Sunday morning we were supposed to go to the cathedral, and after that we would be going to the airport. And we got word that they were talking about the airport shutting down and When that happened, no one else would be leaving the country for who knew how long. And so two of us were young mothers with young children at home that we had left. And the team said, the rest of us will go on to church. We're going to put you um, in the care of one of the um, church members, the deacons, and they're going to drive you to the airport. They drive us to the airport. There are people, there are men riding in pickup trucks with machine guns in the back, and they're looking at us as we're driving. They're driving right alongside us, you know, with guns pointed at us. We get to the airport. It's absolutely crazy there because everybody that has gotten word that they're thinking about closing the airport is trying to get out on an earlier flight, as we were. And this deacon goes up and talks to somebody at the at the counter, and at first it seems like we're going to get put to the front, but then they realize we don't have first-class seats. We're, you know... We're Christian workers, volunteers. We're traveling coach, you know. <laughs> and uh, anyway, and so then they go, oh, back there. And it was just a mob of people trying to get to the desk. And they're telling us to go to the end of the line. And my friend and I are just like, Lord, what are, you, are we going to stay here? Like, what are you going to do? And then all of a sudden, they call us and they take us around, bypass all these people and take us around back and just tell us to sit. And we're like, are we going to be on that flight? And they just tell us, just sit, and that's all that we know. And then the Lord got us on that flight. It was it was miraculous. He gave us favor. Friends, I needed to be reminded of some of these ways that God's worked in my past, and I needed to be reminded of how he's worked in Paul and Silas's and the team's life. Because we face challenges. We can get discouraged. If we put our eyes on the circumstances and the challenges and then the difficulties, we could lose heart. Maybe you're there. Maybe you've been looking at the difficulties. Maybe you've been looking at the challenges. And I believe today the Lord would encourage us and direct us and say, This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. We overcome when we look at who God is and who Jesus is, that he came to have a table of fellowship with us, that he would lay down his life so that we could be restored back into relationship. His love is everlasting. He's not going to leave us. And he meets us in these places. And if we're saying, what am I doing here? I wasn't planning I'm just, 
I'm just looking at my friends that had to change houses and I, and you probably are wondering, what am I doing in this duplex? Or what, what am I doing over here? Or what am I doing in this job? Or what am I doing sitting here on Friday night and all my friends have left me and they've accused me and whatever. And I just want to say, he's positioning you. I don't know what he's positioning you for and I don't know who it is that is going to hear. But as you, rather than sit around and just complain and get freaked out and scared about where you're at, as you turn to the Lord and receive his peace and his comfort and his guidance, we don't know. Maybe there'll be an earthquake. Maybe the chains will come off. I don't know how the chains, whether they're metaphorical or literal, but the Lord is going to do something as you turn and pray and worship and cling on to his promises and start to sing the songs that you know that he puts in your heart, whether it's a song that's ever been written or whether it just bubbles up in you to worship and trust him. And he's going he's gonna to move. And people are listening, just like those the inmates, the other inmates were listening. Friends, the world is listening because they're looking for hope in the midst of a world that's got tremendous, tremendous disruption and difficulties and challenges and violence. And the Lord gives us the opportunity to be a witness. Luke and Laurel, I pray that as you go on your mission trip, that you don't face all these obstacles and challenges. But I believe the Lord would say, be flexible. Trust that if he does change some patterns or some things that you thought, just keep praising him. Keep going back to his promises and the, the people around you wherever he has you positioned, are going to be watching, and you just never know. The one that may be your biggest opponent may become all of a sudden the one that's inviting you over for dinner. The Lord encourages us, he strengthens us, and he makes us long for that time where he comes and brings in his His kingdom in its fullness Friends, we're getting ready to enter into the Advent season, a season of longing. And we're going to hear messages about how when he ushers in his kingdom, all this evil, all this disruption, all these things that are so hurtful and difficult and challenging, he's going to bring in a new creation. But for now, he hasn't left us alone. He brings his presence through his word, through prayer, and At that, I'll ask you to pray with me. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who is with us. And that your mercy and your kindness follow us all the days of our lives if we are believers in you. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in this room that does not have the hope of eternal life, in Jesus Christ and salvation. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would have heard a new way to live and an opportunity to receive Jesus. Lord, for all of us that maybe just need a new way to think about our circumstances, I pray that you would help us to reframe the way we've been thinking about the challenges in our lives. Lord, give us your vision 
for the ways that you might be wanting to even position us. Lord, if there's somebody that needs to hear the gospel where we currently are, Lord, would you just help open our mouths to speak of your goodness, to pray, to praise, and trust you with the results. Glorify yourself through your people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.